now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright and so on. It's a rigorous training dished out who know all there is to know about horses and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to the start of Season 4 for Equine Dynamics, the best podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's episode, Mike tells us all about the Breeder Cup he just got back from, also a Simon Curtis clinic that he attended about furthering education and also severe hoof cracks and mechanical repair. All this and much, much more will be discussed here on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And over my far right hand side, wearing all purple, is Mike Stein. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt in the hat. You look good. Don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well. You can see us in the studio. You can see Mike's shining, smiling face over there. Uh, we've got a brand new setup here. Hopefully, Michael enjoy this a little bit more than fighting with the other microphone arm that he had <laughs> that was creeping down on him every time. You doing all right over there? Are you surviving? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. We all... I can't slouch now, because if we win, I get slouched down. <laughs> well, so we're starting off season four. Mike already has a bunch of different guests lined up. Give the people some of the uh, ideas of who's going to be on the show this season. Well, I've talked to a number of people from Doc Redden, who I need to contact, from Michael Blowen, who I spoke to yesterday up at uh, Old Friends, mm-hmm. along with some people that have already been on the show. Several other people within different companies might have Marty back, might have a few others back. So your wife, I think, texted me saying something about... Um um, yeah, she texted me saying that you've got a couple people lined up, which is going to be exciting. And they're going to be right. here in the studio as well, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I spoke to Hoof Pro. I spoke to a few other companies. So this will be great. So, Mike, now that we're uh, we're getting into the wintertime, it's, it, it's the, the first week of November. Right. First week of November. So my wife takes our gelding horse, Diego. Diego, yes, and, Diego. And moves him over to a place, boards him for four months over there. And because they have a covered arena over there. So right. the weather here in, in North Carolina, and we broadcast just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, beautiful little town we like to call Marshville. The weather gets kind of it rain. Yeah, it rains. The grounds get sluggish and stuff like that. So she wanted a covered arena. So I went over there the other day because we were trailing the horse over there and, and walking him around and making sure that he's you know he's comfortable. It's the first time he's been there, so he's getting his feel for the land and all that. So what do I do? I just kind of stand around and and look and people watch. I saw something for the first time, Mike. I've never seen before. Really? Now I have. I've been with my wife. You know, dating and married and stuff, let's say 15 years, all right, 15 years, and my wife's always had horses ever since she was a little girl. I was watching in the arena, there was a trainer in there, and, and she was working with one of the, the riders, and they were going around in the arena and doing arena stuff, and then the next lesson came in, and it was this little girl, and she was probably about 10 years old, right? you know, and the trainer's like, you want to go help us get Ethel, you know, the horse, whatever the horse's name is, let's go get Ethel, let's tack her up and get everything, so the girl goes in there, she's excited, and gets puts the tack on, and puts puts the helps get the, the horse saddle on, and then she goes out to the arena, gets on the horse, and the trainer's got the horse on the lead line. Right. This is her first lesson ever. Riding this horse, riding in the horse, getting in the horse community, getting into the equine, and the dad is just sitting there filming, just as tickled pink as he could be. And I go, "How many lessons is this for?" And he goes, "This is the first one." She is so excited, she was so happy, and I'm like, yeah, and the smile on his face, you couldn't trade it for a million dollars, and the smile on the girl's face, another million dollars, and then I'm thinking, "Get ready, bud." <laughs> yes, yes, you, you are getting deep into a 
field that costs a million dollars. Well, yes. Yes. The, the hemorrhaging never ends. I understand. And then he asked me, he's like, so how many years have you been here? I said, we come over here on the wintertime. And I explained the same thing like I just told you guys. It's cheaper I'm, than building your own covered. Yes. Oh, you bring you bring your horses over here? And I'm like, yeah, we have three horses and we're just bringing this new one over here. And he was, his eyes lit up like, wow, like that's a lot of money. I can already tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and meanwhile, this girl's only leasing the horse, you know, for lesson purposes and stuff. So I've seen someone get their first taste of that equine bug. Yes. And and I want to fast forward 10 years from now and see if that bug is still there. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for some of them, it sticks and it never, ever goes away. Sometimes we wish it would, but no. Well, you do because <laughs> no. you will never retire. I'll tell you what, having the one horse off of the property has literally cut my workload in half. Now, we have three horses here. I've got a bear. I've got a, a little pony out there. She's a she's, she's a sweetheart. She's a snip is what she she's is. Just adorable. And then we have the gelding. Now the gelding's gone and literally my work has been cut in half because I don't have to rotate the horses. I don't have to clean stalls. I don't have to do any of that stuff because now the other two they're horses. They're on turnout. Yeah, they're on turnout all the time and they can come in with bad weather and we've got a big lean-to out there. So there you go, Mike. I saw for the first time the, the joy and gleam in a little girl's eyes, uh, a little child's eyes doing this for the first time and watching the, the dad there sitting there going. And how could you not want any child to experience that? I know. Every child should experience something like that in their life. All right, guys, we got a real big show to get into. Welcome to season four. We're kicking it off with a bang. Stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the official farrier of the 2018 Equestrian Games. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well. You can see Mike over there in his Breeders' Cup shirt and hat. Matching purple looks good on him. Purple is a good color. It is a good color. But I think you look a lot better in pink with your pink chaps and everything. I I look adorable. (laughs) And that is Mike Stein over my far right-hand side. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you today? Doing all right. And uh, don't forget, if you have any questions for Mike Stein, go over to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page, it says, contact us. Fill out that little form. Make sure you put podcast in the subject line and put a return address so we'll send you out some magnets, some stickers and stuff, and answer your question here on the air for Season 4. Start of Season 4, Mike. What did you think? you think we'd make it this far? I did not. <laughs> I didn't think we'd make it past the first, the first oh, program. You have to have faith, Mike. It's a great show. We have great content in here. Because of our fans, our loyal fans and our supporters and stuff, uh, we are able to continue this podcast as well. Now, speaking of continuing this podcast, Mike, you're always continuing your education, and one of the things that you you did this weekend was go to the Breeders' Cup. Tell us all what happened and why you went and where you went and who you why saw. I went where I went. Well, this started back around the first of the year, or maybe even a little before, maybe even last year. I remember when. Way back in the old days. <laughs> but you know that 
there was a little write-up, and I believe it was, if I'm remembering right, across the wire, one of the online magazines, Kate Richardson. You remember Kate? Yeah, she was, on here. she was on season three. And talking to people was asked to possibly be a standby and have my rig up there. So my rig went. You know, when I was in Kentucky at Doc Redd's for that week of Further Ned, I went ahead and licensed with Kentucky Horse Racing, so all that would be in place. So you're good to go. So if a, a farrier goes down, you're ready to take his place. I was, I could be available if needed. Right. But, you know, as it was, we met some good people. I got to spend a little time over with the vets and Frank. I'm going to draw a blank for a second. But some years ago, he he was an instructor down at Auburn Farrier and now works up just south of Cincinnati at a vet clinic, Farrier. And there was a PVC glue-on for babies that he had patented years ago. Now there's so many things that have come on the market now, you don't see that one anymore. Now you're talking about baby horses. You're not baby, talking like human babies. Baby horses, okay. like toe extensions, and for leg straightening. Okay. And had a nice little chat with, with Frank and swap cards. And when we go up to the Hoof Care Summit, he says, call him. We'll, we'll hang out a bit. You do go, don't you? I said, yes, I do. I didn't last year, but the year before I was a speaker. It was a good good deal, good trip. Got to see some good horses. Got to look at some feet. Now, ex- explain exactly what the Breeders... I hear Breeders' Cup, but I think it's a race. Is it a race? It is a series of races. Okay, okay. It is the best of the best. And like, you know, when you have the Derby, it's all three-year-olds against three-year-olds. When you go to the Breeders' Cup, you can have the best three-year-old against the best four-year-old against the best five-year-old against the best six- or seven-year-old. And at six or seven years old, they haven't slowed down. And the people I worked for in racing thought more of the Breeders' Cup than they did, like, the Triple Crown races as far as where it ranked the horses. To the people in the business, that's where they were. So you have the best of the best of the best. So it's it's some different competition. They run very close. And you got some veterans out there that are still kicking ass, for lack of a better term. Oh, they're getting it done. They're getting it done for sure. And uh, Flightline, we got to watch history made. Flightline. Yeah, I saw the video on your on your Facebook right. page. All those out there, don't forget, Mike Stein does have a Facebook page. It's Equine Dynamics, Mike Stein. And you posted the the actual running the the last part. Tell me exactly what happened there. Well, he made his move when he started moving. He moved. You know, he had to work his way up and around a few, and he took off. And he set a record on how big a lead had ever been done for the Breeders' Cup. General Secretary at Belmont. You know, that's never, nobody's ever gotten near that before. So I've got the video right here. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video, and we'll switch to camera six so we can all see it. And you can see this video in real time as we're talking about it here on the show. So here we go. This is, I guess, the final turn. The final coming around the, the clubhouse turn and turn it on. All right, here we go. Flightline takes off. Flightline has gone right by Life is Good and comes into the final furlong with a three-leg lead. Life is Good trying to clean this. Look second. at that. Tabor is third down to the 16th pole. He's gone. He's, he's got it. He's walking off. He's leaving. And it, he's doing a Ronnie Turcott move like on Secretariat. It's like, where did they go? Yeah. One, two. At least a two-second, two-and-a-half-second lead. Well, there I you go. Yeah, he uh, he was moving. He's special. Yeah, that's for sure. He's, so, he's got some. Yeah, there you go. So what else happened over at the Breeders' Cup? What was the biggest thing that you were wanting to see, and what was the biggest thing you were unexpectedly saw? Well, uh, there were there were a few races that we saw, and you know some of the best race competition you will ever see anywhere. There were horses worldwide. This is Top Gun. Got to look at and watch some horses in the paddock and be in what I'm doing. And I've done a little race horse shoe, and I'm not going to claim I was the best in that field because there's, there's some excellent farriers that are 
racehorse farriers, that that's where they live. That's, that's it, what yeah, they do. That's all they do, yeah. And it's a tough job. These guys have to have a lot of skills. What I can do in a vet clinic, as far as materials and all that, they're, they're relatively limited. You know, watching the horses and watching the hind end and paying attention to the hair line and thinking about what those lateral x-rays would look like, you know, there's a fair amount of them. They're, they're fighting that angle trying to push down a lower palmer angle in the back end that, that is ideal. The support base you can put on those horses is not like I could put on a dressage horse or just as in working with the event horses what i can do on them is limited because of the sport they do and they keep these guys together under an incredible amount of pressure i mean you talk about hooves under pressure when they come around that clubhouse turn and they're turning it on and that's a lot of force and they've got a little small shoe they're working with so to stabilize that foot stabilize the bone column and keep it to where it needs to be to keep that horse as sound and athletic as they can they've got a serious job and track farriers catch a lot of grief sometimes because of where some of these horses end up later on when you take a horse that's been well maintained some of them end up turned out for a year some of those don't get touched and then down the road i've heard many times like my god look what these track fairs did to this horse and i will defend them i have done enough of it to learn how tough the job is they're doing right you know when i first touched a racehorse i thought well i'll put i'll put some support on it i couldn't keep those things out on the horse (laughs) out the gate of the farm driveway you know before you go criticize them look at what these guys are actually doing guys and girls there are plenty of women that are shooing these days and some very good ones now in the past we talked about track condition were you able to go out there and and grab some soil some dirt some silt screenings out there this spring when the land rover was going on you know i ended up being up at the land rover that used to be the rolex right and my clients are more in that area we did visit the track spend a little time over there talk to some people got to go out to the track surface feel the track surface check out what it felt like and what it looked like what it feel like well they you know they're running a natural surface over there they're they've gotten away a lot of tracks have gotten away from the synthetics i don't know that anybody's really running on synthetics too much anymore are they doing that because of the length that it lives you know as to like natural would break down in time as to a synthetic would you would think would last longer well, some of it is injuries oh, okay. for both both horse and jockey. If it is too sticky when they're traveling at speed, that foot comes in and it glides into the track surface. As that foot hits the track, it is actually gliding forward, and then they set into the toe and lock in to start to push. If it comes in and you stop the foot too fast, you're slamming around tendons and ligaments real hard. Mm-hmm. Some of the argument with synthetics is it's cushy up and down, but that ground is deep enough. It has give up and down. Then there's also looking at the jockeys. You know, some of the synthetics, when they get wet, get pretty firm. And if you come off of that horse and smack that thing at 35, 40 miles an hour. It's like hitting concrete. Yeah, exactly. So there is more give if they end up dismounted from the horse. You don't want them having broken collarbones, ribs, and what all because they went plowed into the ground and has enough. It's like, okay, your crumples on on your new vehicles to protect the, the, you know, driver. the, the occupant from impact. Car ex- absorbs some of it. Well, same thing with some of the track surfaces. You want them to absorb some of that shock if they end up coming off the horse. So it's they're looking at both rider and the horse. It should put airbags on them. Well, yeah, you think. <laughs> Have so little you, airbags in his arms, the jockey's arms, and in his pads and stuff down below. And then if he falls off the horse, it's like a ripcord, and he just poof, pops well, they, up. Well, <laughs> you know, they have, they have those air vests that the eventers ride uh-huh. ride with. You know, just think about that going off in the middle of a race, though, <laughs> if somebody accidentally pulls the pin. Faulty, yeah. Because people, I think when, when people get the air vest, they have to 
step off a horse and try it and inflate it real fast. The horse goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, Mike's going to talk about Simon Curtis and furthering education. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the 2017 American Eventing Championship Farrier and straight back from the Breeders' Cup. Now, is the Breeders' Cup all weekend long or is it just one day? Well, there's two days of races. And so that, that's Mike Stein over to my far hand side talking there. Hey, Travis. <laughs> hey. Well, they have two days of races. As far as building up to it, you you know, there's they're all year seeing who's going to be in the right position to be in the races and how healthy and strong and fast your horse is because you know, if your horse is slowed down or for some reason he decided, well, I'm tired of running, you don't want to go, go do that because <laughs> it's an awful lot. And Mike's got his Breeders' Cup purple shirt and purple hat. You did go there and you bought the shirt and you bought the hat. I bought the hat and the shirt. <laughs> and you can see Mike's time for every podcast we do. We have a matching video and you can see me waving to Mike, Mike waving to me. He's got a new um, boom stand because he was complaining the other one kept slipping and dropping you know, on him. You know how whiny I can be. <laughs> Sometimes you're pain in the butt, but that's okay. That's why we love you. All right, so Mike, you went out there and you actually talked to Dr. Simon Curtis about furthering education. And let me switch the cameras here so you can see a picture of Simon Curtis. I'll make sure I got the right cameras up here. Here we go. This is down in Southern Pines. It is at Martin Kenny's farm. Simon Curtis is looking at a horse's foot. And I like how you have your rig you know, strategically placed in the back of this picture. Picture. <laughs> right. Dr. Simon Curtis, some of us did some hands-on work on horses. And uh, since I was working on horses, I worked out of my rig. He has been involved in a lot of research and has changed the game of some of what we think about horses' feet. He's been a farrier for 50 years. Um, he has a doctrine. As far as like what part of what he did was like on the actual thought of hoof horn structure, you know, we always thought it was stacked, just basically like a stack of straws. Not exactly. And some of those straws are compressed. And, you know, as far as lateral forces and all that, how the foot works with that, how the straws are designed. And some of them are not exactly round. And depending on where they are in the foot, you have different different size straws out to the outside. There's the larger tubules. Inside, there's more narrow tubules. And looking at how they bond together. Going back to the initial conversation about this 10-year-old girl that I saw who was just starting to learn just to sit down in the seat, heels down, heels up, trying to find the gas pedal of the horse. She's now got a whole world exactly what you're talking about right there a whole world of education in front of her she continues this this route that she's decided as far as a hobby or career or professionalism or something like that that's right as far as farriers i'll say this plenty of times to horse owners talk to your farriers what are they doing to educate themselves these opportunities like simon curtis they don't come along every day there should have been 500 people there to listen to see what simon curtis's message was yeah just in that area alone how many farriers are in that little even a 20 or 50 mile radius in that area a lot more than you would think imagine even 500 being just a drop in the bucket for as many farriers in that area but. i know i know that some years ago there was talk of seven eight hundred farriers working as full-time farriers not even counting the part 
part-time fairs in the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And everyone should have been there. Everyone should have been there. Sure. <laughs> this guy is world-renowned. He has been a big game-changer in the business, and we need to understand his thought process. Because just what he's talking about, the wall and what goes on to the coronary band, this plays a part in hoof construction that we're going to talk about later. Opportunities come up. You need to go spend time with these people that are smarter than we are. I need to spend a lot of time with people that, are, that have done work in areas that I have not gone to be a mastered. And I'll never call myself a master. I will never because I've never mastered this. I will never master this in my lifetime. Because you're always learning. There's always because something there's always new. More. There's always somebody who has pushed it a little further. And if you can go to them and learn from them and carry that into your business, you should always be improving every year. There's stuff I do right now that I didn't do last year. I didn't know last year. I always told myself years ago, if I'm going to stay in this because of what happened with my horses and my stuff, I always need to be learning. I always need to be getting better or I need to go do something else like drive a truck. This does, <laughs> If you're going to be a farrier, this needs to be a passion, not a paycheck. Now, what is this picture here? Is this Dr. Simon Curtis's no, this work? Is, this is actually Ian McKinley's okay, work. Okay, so we'll, we'll, get, we'll dive we'll, into we'll that. We'll come next. back on that one. All right, so we'll dive into that a little bit later. So, Simon Curtis, how many, you said there was a, what, a, maybe a dozen people around sitting there listening? to him talking no there was probably 30 to 40 still that's not bad and then you look around at those people and you're like going i know that face i know that face i know that face and we had from ohio we had people from new york we had a handful from north carolina we had a few of them out of pennsylvania some of these people traveled a long way georgia I think most everybody was from east of the Mississippi. But you think about that large of an area and how many ferries are in that area. The ones that were dedicated to travel that distance to listen and spend time with and get some instruction from the best of the best. I was very happy to get a chance to do hands-on work and put myself under the microscope with one of the best minds in the business. And get as much as you can out of him because, you know, you hate to say it, he's not going to be here forever. No. You know, I mean, this this year so far, you know, spent some time with Andy Carr and uh, Stephen O'Grady he spent a week out at Doc Redden's, of course, with Simon and with Ian this year for further net. When you every time for whatever reason, when you say Doc Redden, I always think of a, a character out of a book because that name, Doc Redden, go see Doc Redden about getting this and that. <laughs> that name is so it, it just sounds like a, a character out of a, a book or a novel or something. <laughs> that's just me, just me. He is a force of nature, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, uh, we'll dive into severe hoof cracks and the mechanics repair based on Ian McKinley. Um, this is a gentleman that Mike talked to while he was out at the Breeders' Cup. What? Yeah, actually, I talked to Ian on the tail end of the Simon Curtis Clinic. We got an added bonus. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. And we'll hear about that when we come back. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He is now a licensed thoroughbred farrier through the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. And you can go over to his Facebook page. He actually has a picture of your your little license or your little badge that you have there. It's got all your license and codes and everything on it. And over to my far hand side, nodding his head, is Mike Stein. 
Hello, Travis. How you doing? <laughs> doing we'll good, say man. that again because we got to say that multiple times a day because we don't remember we met each other earlier, right? Well, you know, people ask me why do I do that. It's because sometimes people catch it in the middle of the podcast and they yeah. and they don't know who. So it's just resetting the topics that we talk about and who we are. And <laughs> we're not just two knuckleheads talking on the radio here. Well, well wait what, a minute. Back up on that one. Who one of us? <laughs> All right, Mike. We're talking about and I got a picture up here. And don't forget for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well, and you can see us uh, waving to each other. Mike waving to me. Me waving to Mike. And you can see this picture as well and this is a horse's hoof and uh go over to youtube and you can see this video as well and don't forget if you'd like to ask mike a question the way you do that and get that question to him we'll read it here on the air the start of season four go to equinedynamics.com and click on the contact section make sure you put podcasts in the subject line and we'll read it here on the air and, and put a return address and we'll send you out some magnets and stickers and stuff so what are we looking at here mike this is a crack the horse was having some lameness problems the crack was needs to be stabilized uh-huh. you know if if you look at how deep it went up there towards the top, you see right here a little bit of blood, a little bit. Of, there could be a little bit of drainage. So these things need to be cleaned out on these bad ones. On a lot of cracks I have dealt with, good foot balance, getting the pressure off. A lot of them will take care of themselves, but some of them are further along than that. You know, if you look at this, the shoe job is not ends. Someone else had shoed the horse. The horse was brought in for the crack. Now. After building the crack, he ended up putting one of his shoes with the red-green pads on it that you glue to the foot. On Those pads allow some give between the shoe and the foot with the acrylics. This is Ian's method, and I've not had my hands on that method. I have done some crack repair. So this crack right here, it looks like, and I'll, I'll move my cursor around so we can see, it looks like you've punctured and put these wires through, and there, you've got like a little tab on the outside and a tab on this side, and the wires kind of connect over the crack. Right. Is that to pull the crack together? Yeah, when this horse was loading, that crack was gapping open. Okay. Pretty big. And so he cleaned it out. He went in with a little tiny drill bit and a Dremel tool, you know, at a really low angle. And if your hoof wall is too thin, you can actually acrylic on a patch on either side. Now, in this kind of situation, if you're doing that, you would lay something in the cleaned out area, build over it, and then, then cut your acrylics out. But if there's not enough hoof wall, you can lay some acrylics in. Now, you still got two separate parts of the hoof that are shifting. You know, if you need to snug it up a little bit, you can pull it together. Some cracks will do well unloaded, patched across, and built. If you've got drainage like this, you could stabilize the crack, clean that up, let everything keratinize in because you're regenerating hoof horn tissue from the inside. You know, it gets covered over, you can you can cut your wires, take it out, clean everything up, put your wires back in to stabilize it, and then you can build across it. There are some where you need to run a tube through it with the tube some Caratex and whatever, and you could slide the silicone tube out so you have a drain path so you could flush some of them if need be. There are also cracks when they're loaded, the coronary band will pinch together. And some of those you may actually need to push apart and stabilize them there. So there's a number of techniques you can use depending on the crack situation. So and this is all that you and Ian McKinley were, were discussing and right, going over. Right. Now, Ian works several tracks up in New York, the three major tracks up there and in Maryland. And a lot of guys did not want to get into crack building and gluing years ago and he said he got kind of known for it so people get sent it in so this guy this is pretty much what he does they have a horse with a crack that is bleeding and they want to keep the horse in exercise and they need somebody who can manage the situation get the pressure off get the horse sound as quickly as possible come back later clean up everything do your repairs and keep them in training because hey these horses may be preparing for the breeders cup or, or some big deal race and they don't want to lose any downtime to it it can be done and this horse when he was done walked off very happy i was going to say is he able to do anything any work or anything with this repair on it or 
or no? Oh, yeah, they exercise. Okay. After everything's done, built in, when he did the glue, he built in the heels and built the foot back to where it should be and built it with the acrylics and built heels on the horse so that you could get the mechanical pressure on the back of the foot back under the bone column. If you see that thing is the heels are sucked under, you look right at the corner of the bulb of the heel, you can see stress. You can see the stress in the coronary band. They're pushing under so hard that it wants to separate at the top. A true quarter crack opens up from the top down. You see cracks that start at the bottom up. People say it's a quarter crack because it's in the quarter, but that's more of a sand crack. And it's a, it's a little different situation. All cracks are not created equal. They all respond <laughs> different. We have to have multiple techniques on what to do with them. And this is something I picked up from the Nanorick guys when I was there. Neat little tool. That just looks like a pair of pliers, Mike. Yeah, it kind of is. But you have a wire cutter. You can manage your, your lacing wire. Hold it up to the camera there. <laughs> there you you go. can lock it in on the wire after you get your wires together. And it's kind of hard to get it to do it in your hand. But when you pull this out, it winds and just wind it to where you want it to be as you snug it together. And then you can pop that, trim your wire, put your wire into place so it's not not in a grab situation. But it's a real quick little thing all in one tool. Over trying to sit there and wind it, you know, wind it with your hands, you can just snug it to where you want. Now, how much was that tool? Because we've heard about your million-dollar hammer, the Thor hammer that you bought when you went over to, uh, what was it, the Rolex or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm breaking stuff here. Hold that last big hammer, that 7.5-pounder I got when I was out at Doc Redden's from the Nanorick Group supply shop, that also came from the Nanorick supply shop. Interesting little tool. And, you know, I, I like gadgets. And honestly, as far as the price of it, I, I really can't tell you. I bought other materials that I needed for the truck, supplies, while I was there to save shipping. Now, you know, I'm looking at this, and it looks like someone physically just took a pair of pliers. Right. And manufactured this little doohickey in the center. That, that's all it looks like. They did. They manufactured pliers with a doohickey. And what do, <laughs> what do you call it? Like tools of necessity, right? Tools that you need that you buy for being a farrier are just made out of a... Out of necessity. The necessity. And actually, I have seen that tool some years back for working with small wires. So it's been adopted from something else. Yeah. Anything when you're working with a horse to make the program, you know, it's not like a block of wood. The foot moves more than you think. And with everything, if you're playing around with these things too long, you run that horse out of patience, they're going to get aggravated. You know, like, I'm tired of you messing with me. And it's going to be a little more difficult to get the job done. Ornery. So if, <laughs> so if you can get a system where you can roll through it with minimal ease and the better behave the horse is the better job you'll be able to do so this is just something to to make the flow go zip 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 there you go all right guys stick around we got one more little segment to get into and then we'll let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein hope you're right back i got just enough money and just enough gas pick a place on the map we can get too fast where the white sandy beach meets what a light glass and if the tide carries us away Maybe we run with it Won't think about it too much Baby, let's just go with it Get out of this ordinary everyday rut And if we get swept away by one of those perfect days When the sun is sinking low at dusk and wind up a little deeper in love Baby, let's run with it 
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Make sure you follow him on YouTube. Make sure you follow him on Facebook and get your questions in. Email equinedynamics.com and at the top of the page says contacts and put podcasts in the subject line and a return address and we'll send you out some magnets, some stickers and enter your questions as well. And over to my far end side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. What did we learn today, Mike? You went to the Breeders' Cup. Went to the Breeders' Cup, had a blast, got to meet some interesting people. I see you took a lot of pictures of your lunch while you were out there. Where was that at? I like eating. <laughs> that was at Old Friends. Now, Old Friends is a is a place or actual people, person? It is a place, but it is a person who pulled all that together. Michael Blowen. Uh-huh. Horses have a place to retire. Those horses are well taken care of. There's a facility, I believe, in New York, and this is, this is of course, in Kentucky. So you want to see what one of the top horses in the country does in his old age. He's, he's an old guy hanging out, having him a good time. And you can see this on the video portion right here. What's his horse's name? This is Silver Charms. There's your lunch. There's lunch. <laughs> There's some flowers, old friends. Uh, old friends flowers. Uh-huh. Who are and these two? These guys all had a career running. All this horse had a career running. And honestly, I can't tell you because somebody ate somebody's name tag. Oh, okay. <laughs> but these are all retired these race These are horse. all retired race horses. A beautiful facility. They don't want for anything. They get to hang out, relax, or need to take care of. Maybe we can need a carrot every now and then. <laughs> Mike, can you get one more Equine Dynamics button on your hand? I'm trying. <laughs> you I'm got trying. Like, got like six of them on your this outfit is, there. You tell me I must promote. <laughs> Medina Spirit. Oh, this is our tombstone. Yes, and there's several other horses that are Top Gun horses that have been on the property. That looks like a big chess piece, like a knight. Apparently was a sycamore tree that died. Oh, yeah. Look at that. There's Mike Pitt and some more horses. All right, and what about Simon Curtis and the clinic that you had? What did you learn there? It's always an eye-opener. You should always put yourself under scrutiny to get a tune-up. I need a tune-up several times a year. You know, as far as like the hoof wall itself, how some of it reacts is a little different than what we've always thought. And this is the man who has proven that. And we can all do better. We can always know better. The best tool we've got is knowledge. And what were you saying about at, make sure you're talking to your farriers? Talk to your farriers about further ed. There's a lot of opportunities out there. If they're looking for opportunities to learn, look at the IEPF. They provide a lot of opportunities through the year, further ed, and they're all about further ed. If we can do anything in this business, and part of the reason we're doing this is the more People know the better this whole situation with farriers and horses and longevity horses can be. Aren't you trying out for being a board member or something? I did an interview sitting on I-40 at 11 miles an hour (laughs) coming back from Kentucky because of construction and people bumping cars into each other and all that sort of deal for a board of directors seat. We'll see what happens there. There are a few people running. You know, it's kind of time to give back and hopefully leave this, this whole industry better than it was when I came into it. It's a good, yeah, good thought, good feeling. All right, guys, on that note, we're going to let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day. Make sure you follow Mike Stein on YouTube. Search Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. Make sure you like him on Facebook and send your questions in to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page, fill out that form, and we'll read it here on the air. On behalf of Mike Stein over there. Have a good one. Thank you, Travis. My name is Travis saying see you next week. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream, little pal.